The views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, advertising partners, or ownership of Forever Communications. It's time for the Tri-State Sports Podcast, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. Now, here are your hosts, John Thornton and Jordan Taylor. And welcome in. It is the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest for one final time. In 2022, it is just myself, John Thornton, and Jordan Taylor here today. No guest as we wrap out, wrap up the, uh, I guess the the full year uh, before we head into 2023 and resume this show in the in January after the Christmas holiday. We're going to take what? What do we say, Jordan? About a two week break, two three week. Yeah, we'll break, be back. So? We'll be back the week of uh, January the 9th for a show, I believe. So. No, yeah, long. January 9th. Yeah, we'll yep. be back January 9th. Yep. So, I, whatever, however long that is. So, uh, hope you will rejoin us when uh, when we do come back. But obviously, we're thrilled to be here for one final time before uh, we we take our Christmas sabbatical. A few housekeeping things before we get started. As always, you can reach us on Twitter at John underscore MT18. You can reach Jordan at JT underscore 1823. You can tweet the froggy handle at NWTN underscore Froggy. You can text us on the Froggy text line at 731-885-9999. Our weekly pick'em has concluded, and Jordan once again is victorious with a final record of 119-61. and And then we talked about it, Jordan, before we went on the air, three-way tie at the top of the guest <laughs> leaderboard. No one was ever able to get over the 8-2 and two hump. John Hatler, Mike Hutchins, and Luke Brown all finishing Eight and two, Man. yeah. And while we're while we're talking about our guest and, and the weekly pick them, obviously thank thank everyone out there who picked with us this year. Yeah. Uh, it, it seemed like we had a, a lot of feedback on that. People enjoyed being able to to do that. And of course, thank you to all our guests because they take time out of their days to to come on our show and and pick some of the best games with us. And John, I mentioned it before we started the show today, but it seemed like this past football season and, and this pick them all together. I know we picked basketball last week, uh, but it just seemed like it was harder. It just seemed yeah. like it was harder for some reason. And I think with uh, the transfer portal and the NIL and all this other stuff that's going to kind of level the playing field across college football, I think it's going to be harder to pick some of those college football games in in, in the incoming seasons for sure. No upcoming doubt about season. that. And plenty to talk about with the transfer portal. We'll get into that later on in the show. But as the college football playing field levels because of all the movement and all the money flowing around, uh, indeed, the, the playing field will level and, and the matchups will get a little bit more even, much to the chagrin of one uh, Nick Saban in, in Alabama, because that means his program is no longer the dominant superpower. Um, and also, but, thank you, to Jer- thank you to Jared Mims for not picking this year, allowing me to, to be able to win this year. Uh, he, he, smoked, he smoked everybody in the house last year, uh, so thank you for that. It was obviously not as many people picking, so that, that might have been some of it. But um, I think some of it was just taking some chances and taking some guesses, and that's just how it went. But uh, and another guy we got a shout out is David Roby, who works with us because yes. he loves he loves to pick these games with us, and he he finished second. So uh, we appreciate him as well for for putting that much time into and and John, you know how he is. He really he really thinks about those picks. Oh, he does. He, he takes it and looks at it all week before he decides which games he's going to oh, yeah. pick. So big shout out to Roby for picking with us as well. No doubt about that. Let's jump on into the show. Our local headlines to start the show. Local basketball update. We'll hit these quickly and move forward. 
Union City's girls four and seven. The boys at three and eight. Westview's girls off to an eight and no start, and they are in South Carolina this week uh, for a tournament, wow. I believe, or maybe somewhere in Florida. I, I'm not sure. They're out of town. I know they're out of town. They're they're somewhere big. The boys actually went with them, taking a one and six record on the road. There, Dresden's girls sit at seven and two. Obviously made a state tournament run a year ago, brought everybody back, and so off to a really good start. The boys are one and five. O'Brien Central's girls four and five, but the boys ten and one. Great start for the O'Brien County boys. South Fulton's girls off to a good start at seven and three. The boys sit three and five. Gleason's girls eight and two on the season. The boys one and nine. Greenfield and uh, Greenfield's girls and boys both about the same. Five and six for the girls. Four and six for the boys. Looking at Tennessee football, they had some major news that happened over the last several days, whether it was guys opting out, opting in, or getting some commitments. So let's start there. As far as the Orange Bowl goes, goes Jalen Hyatt will not be playing in the Orange Bowl. He is officially declared for the NFL draft. His draft stock obviously has skyrocketed through the course of the season. Now the Bolitnikoff winner, and he is projected in the late first round, early second from most normal early projections here. Darnell Wright will play in the Orange Bowl, but he has declared to the NFL draft after that. So it will be the final game wearing the big orange for him. And then on the recruiting trail, Tennessee got a big commitment from a former four-star offensive lineman out of Texas. Started every game for the Longhorns this past season. And Smyrna linebacker Arian Carter, who's a bit of a late bloomer, originally committed to Memphis, decommitted, was going to play running back, has switched to linebacker, and Tennessee fought off Alabama and some other serious suitors to land his services, and he has enrolled in Knoxville. So a busy week for the balls on the hill, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, obviously getting him, I guess Tennessee likes to take some running backs out of Memphis and convert them to linebacker the last few years. <laughs> and that's kind of been a been a trend. I did see, John, either a ball insider or Rocky Top insider tweet uh, earlier this afternoon, I'd say about 11.30 or 12 o'clock, that the door is not completely closed on Hyatt not playing in the Orange Bowl. Hmm. Uh, supposedly after Bryce Young and, and um, Will, Anderson Will Anderson announced that they were playing in the Sugar Bowl and they started, you know, people started praising them for that and how they were finishing out the season. Uh, I think it, I, I think the tweet was worded, it's likely he won't play, but that the door is not completely closed on it, which means hmm. he's not playing. Let's just go ahead yeah. and say that. Um, I don't understand why, why we're even acting like he's going to. He's already made his announcement. But I do I do want to get your take on that. I mean, I, I know that we talk a lot about these bowl games and how they're kind of losing uh, losing steam, I guess you would say, with the playoff. If you're not in the top four, then, um, you know, these other games, a lot of people think don't really matter. But I argue that. I think they all matter. I think being able to play one more game with your teammates, I think that matters. I understand that if you're trying to – go get paid and, and make it make sure you don't get hurt. I understand that, especially with what Tillman has gone through this year and, and Hyatt being his teammate and also obviously Hendon Hooker tearing his ACL as well. But um, what do you think about this? Do you think guys like Bryce Young, Will Anderson are right for playing in this game? Or do you think it's kind of just a, just a situation where you – just depends on how you feel personally. I, personally, I've just always kind of fallen in the middle because I, I, I have – I was talking to someone about this the other day. I, I've never really been able to figure out where I fully stand on this because on one hand, I, I think you do need to start – you finish what you start. You know, you started with these guys back in January of this year working out, you know, OTA type stuff in the summer and then camp. And, and to me, you finish it out. But on the yeah. – I, I look at situations like Matt Corral and Jake Butt 
and maybe some others who who I can't think of. And, and Jake Butt is kind of the, the the poster child for it. Uh, you know, he was a tight end. He was probably going to be a top, you know, first, second round kind of guy in the NFL at Michigan. And then he plays in the Orange Bowl and he tears his ACL and loses out on, on millions of dollars because of the way the CBA is set up in the NFL and, and you know, with the draft, the way the draft is. And, so, and I mean, he tumbled into the fifth or sixth round and he never really had a chance in the in the NFL because he blew out his knee, didn't really play his rookie year. And, you know, then he was behind the eight ball. And then you look at Matt Corral last year and well, he didn't blow out his knee, you know, it kind of set him back as far as his draft prep work and, and, you know, Matt Corral hasn't really done anything in his, in his rookie season. Maybe he did. Maybe he would have. Maybe he wouldn't. But right. uh, I don't know. I, I just kind of have always said it's hard for me to want to blame these kids for not wanting to to get themselves hurt going into, you know, into the into an opportunity to make their bag. But I do think you start what you finish. And to me, getting injured is part of the game. Uh, I mean, Here, you know, you get hurt anytime. Here's my one argument with it. I, I'm kind of – I'm like you. I'm down the middle with it. But before the playoff, when we just had the national title game, just the BCS national title game, you did not see this near as much. It's true. Well, people can say, well, it's I don't need to play in the bowl game because I'm getting ready for the NFL. Well, when bowl games meant more, when you know, when all these New Year's Six Bowls meant something because you had the BCS national, it was only two teams that were playing in the final dance. I mean, more people played. So now that it's down to a playoff, and of course we're expanding. Um, and then and that, that's another argument in the coming years. I mean, you're, there's going to be several guys that have to keep playing because they're going to be in the playoff because so many yeah. teams are going to be in the playoff. So I'm down the middle with it. I think I, if I had to lean a little bit, I think I would lean towards the side. I believe you should play because I think it's just what you've, you've worked all year with these guys. Uh, a lot of these guys have, uh, have, you know, been great teammates, of course, for, for one another. And a lot of these guys are key parts of the team's success. So, I think Nick Saban was in the air, in the ear of uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson saying, "I'm not losing Kansas State. So if y'all don't play, then there's a good, there's a good chance we we will." So uh, and then don't Alabama would never. I don't care who plays for Alabama, they would never hear the end of it if they lost to Kansas State. So no. I know that they're happy that that Bryce Young and Will Anderson are playing. But I think if I lean one way, John, it would have to be the way of uh, you got to play, you got to finish yeah. out the year. But I, I still understand it both ways. I still yeah. get it. Uh, moving up to the pro level, the Titans dropping another close one this week to the Chargers on the road, 17-14, to 14, their fourth in a row. So, um, Jordan, was John Robinson really the problem here? And, and now, you know, this question has to be asked, and I'll give you the floor because it's your team. Is the division in doubt? Because you only have a one-game lead on the Jaguars now, and you play them one more time before the season's over. In doubt, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't see how it's not. I mean, the way they played the last few weeks, and if you look at their upcoming opponents, got the Texans coming in this weekend, and, and Texans team that has obviously played pretty good football the last couple weeks. I know that they've lost, but they lost in overtime to uh, to Kansas City, and then the week before, they played a good team, but they lost. Who, who was it they lost to? I knew, I had it in the back of my mind. I've lost it also. Uh, yeah. but the last couple weeks, they, they played um, really good football and just – happened to come down and, and lose their Dallas Cowboys, I believe. So Cowboys, was, yes, that's who yeah. it was. Yeah, you're right. And so being able to uh, being able to play a good ball and lose, that's tough, but the Texans are definitely playing better football. So, yes, is it in jeopardy 110%? Do I think the Titans will lose the division? I do think the Titans will lose the division. Wow. And that's because I don't think oh. Ryan Tannehill's I don't think Ryan Tannehill's going to be healthy enough to play Sunday. So that that's a loss to the Texans. And then I, I that's just – yesterday I didn't feel this way. What I've been reading today is just how I feel. 
Um, and then the week after that, you got the Dallas Cowboys on thir- Thursday night football, more than likely going to lose that one. It's supposed to be cold and rainy. They'll lose. Now, which that is kind of the type of game that Titans usually win, but we'll see. And then the final game of the year is Jacksonville, who's red hot. And, and you know, he's playing – Trevor Lawrence is playing the best ball he's played all year. So, John, I think the Titans could be – could uh, be on a seven-game losing streak to round out the season. I mean, I really believe it's possible. Uh, and I'm – I'm leaning more towards that being the case than I am them winning the division right now. Would that put yeah. Mike Vrabel's job in any jeopardy? I, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think that Vrabel's the only thing that's safe. I mean, I, I really believe it. I mean, I think that – I'm not going to go in too much detail, but I think Amy really likes Vrabel. I'll just leave that out there. Um, I don't know why, but there may be a little man crush going on there. Huh. Uh, but she and, – and, and that's because her brother loves him too who's involved. Um, it's just a – it's a situation I don't think Vrabel gets fired uh, because there there's so many injuries. There's places you can make excuses. Um, but to your original question, is John Robinson the problem? I don't think he. I don't think he was. I think what had already happened. I think they were already struggling before they let go of John Robinson. I think they're still in the same situation, even if he's still a GM. I don't think that makes much of a difference. But uh, right now, I'm not feeling too good about where the Titans are. If they can get a win against the Texans, then obviously I, I might might believe in him again, but I do think the path is not going to be easy, especially with Ryan Tannehill's ankle being about 25%. Well, maybe you can feel a little bit better about your team than, than I feel about mine after what happened to my team on Saturday. And obviously we'll, we'll talk more about that uh, later on in the show, but uh, yeah, interesting times in the NFL, obviously a wild week in the NFL. We're going to spend some time on that. I do appreciate, I do appreciate you letting me get mine out at the beginning of the show and then you taking over later. It does. It yeah. lets me go ahead and get it out of the way, and then I can enjoy the rest of the show. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, your team is the local team, so that just works <laughs> out for you. <laughs> in basketball, the Grizzlies now 19-10, and 10, the number one team in the Western Conference, and that is without Desmond Bain, and they've kind of dealt with their fair share of injuries, and yet they keep on rolling. Tennessee basketball dropping to number eight in the new AP poll. They played Arizona in a top-10 showdown, and Tucson played a really good game on Saturday night. UT Martin, the men now 7-8-5 or eight and five on the season. They have won four in a row after a home game last night and 7-0 and oh in the Elam Center. UT Martin women fell to 4-7 and seven with a loss to Missouri State. They take on Evansville on the road tonight. MLB free agency is rolling on, and obviously some big names have gotten some big bags of cash and obviously, Jordan, I just kind of put some of the big, biggest names on here. We'll mention if there's yeah. any other ones you want to mention, bring them up. Aaron Judge going back to the Yankees for nine years, $360 million. Carlos Correa headed to the West Coast to play for the Giants on a 13-year, $350 million contract. Trey Turner going back to the East. He'll play for the Phillies on an 11-year, $300 million deal. Xander Bogarts going to the Padres for 11 years, $280 million. Dansby Swanson, for some reason, wants to go play on the north side of Chicago for seven years and $177 million. Jacob DeGrom to the Rangers on a five-year, $185 million deal. And Justin Verlander, two years, $86 million. He is headed to the Mets. So anything stick out or any other names that you can think of, Jordan, that are on the move? The main headline, I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about Dansby and a lot of people are talking about uh, DeGrom as well, but I think one thing I'm learning is that the Mets are throwing in all the chips that are windows right now. I mean, obviously, I know Justin Berlander's older, but have you seen the money they're paying some of these guys the last couple yeah. of years? They know that the window is getting – I mean, it's it's starting to shut, John. I mean, it's it's almost there. 
And I think the New York Mets realize that. So they're they're trying to to add some role pieces around that to make sure uh, that they're able to to obviously get a good opportunity to to win. But um, Dansby Swanson, I understand, is young. I kind of understand this one. I've thought a lot about it, but I kind of understand it. He's already won a World Series title. And when you're young, you got to get your money. When you when you've proven yourself, uh, you got to get your money. But at the same time, I mean, do, do you want to lose every ball game? Or are you you attempting to so. lose? Are you attempting to lose every series? I mean, because the Cubs aren't going to win a lot of games. I mean, this from what I understand, will they be better next year? Probably so. Will they be better than the team on the south side? Probably so. But that's not saying a whole lot. So, um, so I mean, I, I don't really understand that for Dansby. Um, Carlos Correa, I think, with the Giants, 13 years. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of insane. That's so, the thing that stands out to me I, I about a lot of these contracts. I mean, you're talking about 11 years for Bogarts, 11 for Turner, 13 for Correa, and 9 for Judge. I mean, you're talking about locking yourself into a decade with these franchises. That's wild yeah. to me. Yeah. It's it's insane. It's it's really, really insane. I mean, I, I don't understand some of the money they're getting paid for sure, but, hey, that's uh that's for you, me and you to discuss, I guess. Not, I guess they so. ain't worried about they ain't worried about what we think. Yeah, <laughs> we are about through the first quarter or so of the NBA season, and some things have changed, and some things have not, including the Lakers still being nothing more than a soap opera. And I continue to be like Charles Barkley, who continues to ask, "Why are we putting them on national television?" Uh, but in some surprising headlines so far early in the NBA season, the Warriors have kind of struggled and currently not inside the playoff picture. The Pelicans, with a healthy Zion, though, are second in the West, only behind the Memphis Grizzlies. The Sacramento Kings, who have not made the postseason since Jordan and I were in elementary school, also a surprising team. And Boston and Boston and Milwaukee continuing to battle for Eastern supremacy. The Cavaliers, guided by their new look backcourt with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, are continuing to roll and in some off-the-court news, billionaire Matt Ishabia, who I have no idea who that is, but he is supposedly <laughs> buying the Suns from Robert Sarver. Of course, if you've been following that story, there's yeah. been all kinds of uh, news about toxic culture going on with Robert Sarver at the head of it, and so a change of ownership coming in Phoenix, it would appear. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a lot of stuff to unravel there. Now, I will say, and I don't defend the Lakers at all, I, I do think in some games this year they've looked pretty decent, Um but, I mean, it, you also got to look at the opponents they played in those games as well. They're just so inconsistent, John, and the reason why is because they're old. One night they're really good, one night they're awful because they're tired. They're old. I mean, you go get some other guys. I mean, they're, they're, they're in a unique situation. I mean, I don't really know what the plan's going to be in L.A. moving forward, but right now I think they're um, a little lost. And I I've, I didn't think this when LeBron went out there, but I, I'm at the point now where I don't think he's going to finish there. I mean, I think he's going to ha- – unless they go get some young talent around him because he's not yeah. going to keep losing. He's not going to keep losing. He hates Especially it. Especially yeah. on, the, on the back end of his career, it's it's not going to yeah. happen. Um, How does it affect LeBron's legacy, Jordan? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I mean, if you look at the Pelicans with, with Zion, I mean, I think they're a totally different team. Pelicans got a lot of good young talent. I mean, and, and Zion's a good player, but, again, it's health. I mean, he's been off – he hasn't really been on the court a whole lot. So, uh, how much stock do you put in how he's been playing lately? I mean, I guess you could put a little bit, but I think the concern is, okay, he's, he's going to give us five, ten good games, but then he's probably going to have an injury. So hopefully he yeah. can stay on the court. Yeah, that will be interesting to see how these stories unfold. Before we wrap up the segment, Jordan, did you watch the World Cup final on Sunday morning? I did not, John. I did not. Man, I did not you missed watch a great it. game. Was it, was it 7 a.m. Sunday morning? 9 a.m. 
Yeah, I think I was at church. That's probably why. So. I got home in time to see extra time. Did you at least see what happened or hear what happened? I know. I know. No, I, honestly, I don't. I saw tweets and stuff, but I don't know the guys, so I, I don't really know it, it, uh, the it effect is being heralded, what it, what it, it meant. Is, <laughs> it is being heralded as perhaps the best World Cup final ever. Um, wow. To, to, to kind of give you a brief summary, you've got Lionel Messi with Argentina, who is widely regarded as the greatest soccer player ever. But he had not won a World Cup yet. He'd made it to a final, had lost in 2014. He's gotten Argentina back. They're up 2-0 late in the game. And France scores twice in 90 seconds to tie the game, forces extra time. Argentina scores, takes a brief lead from Messi. France comes back and scores again to to force penalty kicks. And Argentina wins on penalty kicks. Holy cow. It was one of the most entertaining things you know, I mean, and I didn't even see most of regulation. I had to watch extra time after church, but it it was very a very cool ending to it. What was it? What's been a really cool World Cup? Um, and I didn't yeah, know if you had a chance to even keep up with that. I mean, it was well, when I saw I did see extra time, and I did watch uh, the final game that uh, the U.S. played. But and I did see that the game went to extra time, which I thought was obviously pretty cool for it being the final. But I don't know, man. I don't know enough about soccer to to know who who's supposed to do what. You know what I mean? But yeah, I did. Re- I did realize what it's going to be 2026, I guess, when the yes. next World Cup is. Yeah. So yes. that, that'll be uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll be more of a fan then, man. In I'll the U.S., a- mind you. Is it? Where's it going to yeah. be? Uh, well, it's going to be in several cities all across. The- it's actually kind of being co-hosted with Canada and Mexico, but primarily in the U.S. And so it's going to cool. be a little bit everywhere. So. 2026, cool. you might find yourself at a World Cup match. We'll we'll, we'll see what we can do about it. Maybe. That. Maybe I'm a soccer <laughs> fan by 2026. We'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get into some college football bowls so far, as well as talk and tribute Mike Leach, the late Mike Leach. We'll talk more about that on the other side, right here on the Tri-State Sports Program, presented by Jerry Ward Autoplex and the Hawks Nest. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com like jerry always says don't dream it drive it be a winner with jerry ward autoplex in union city segment two on the tri-state sports program presented by the hawks nest and jerry ward autoplex these next couple of segments will revolve around the world of college football but first the uh the big story of last week we've got to start with is the very unfortunate and saddening, tragic passing of uh, Mike Leach, the head coach at Mississippi State, and of course has been around college football for well over 20, 25 years and has made an enormous impact on the game. And, you know, you, you look at his coaching tree and all the guys from Lincoln Riley to Josh Heupel, just down the line of guys that he either coached or that he developed as assistant coaches. And obviously, um, you know, the personality, the, the the funny, you know, the quotes and everything. But, you know, Jordan, I, I found it interesting, you know, I've, I've been obviously with, with what happened last week, you know, it's been about a week or it is about a week for, for actually since he passed. And, you know, everybody's been sharing all these stories and, and, and different, you know, times that they interacted with him. And one thing that I found interesting that people were, were, were talking about was his, a breakdown he gave once of, of his offense. 
And the, the interesting thing that came to that was interesting about the offense was he based his offense honestly around, you know, everyone wants to call it the air raid, but for him it was an option offense in, in his own way. You know, he wanted to spread everybody out and, get, you know, make everybody think the ball is going to go to someone different. And he said, you know, we really only ran seven, eight plays, but just very different variations of it. Thought yeah. that was kind of cool. But obviously, you know, we we used to do tributes every week to Mike Leach on on the bench in our bench <laughs> days and, and with his quotes and his marriage advice and, uh, I, you know, his mascot yeah. rankings and, and just every – I mean, that, that was – see – it went beyond the coaching for everybody with him. He, the personality, the the quirkiness, the wild quotes, the thing you just never knew what would come out of his mouth. He was such an an enigmatic personality, and he's going to be very missed in college football. Man, absolutely. I think you know that that's the biggest thing to me as I sit here and think about it again. I've tried to stop thinking about it because I've yeah. when you get invested in sports, you care about people, you start following people, and. Mike Leach is a Twitter account I've followed for a long time because yeah. I just enjoyed I enjoyed the content, man. We shared it with each other. You talked about it on our times at the bench, which has been a few years back now. Um, we've been following Mike Leach for a while for a while, and that's not just his coaching. And I think that's the it's a loss for college football, but it's also yeah. a loss for people that necessarily don't watch every game or stay invested in in college football. They're losing a guy that obviously is a personality. He was funny. Uh, he knew and he knew how to engage with people. You you know, all the reporters talked about when I was watching the tribute on SEC Network, all of them talked about interviewing him and how fun it was because, yes, he wants to answer a couple questions about the game, but then he just wants to be goofy after that. And that's what you that's what you want out of a coach, man. It makes it easier to do an interview. Um, and he's he's a great guy. I mean, he was he was a fantastic guy. And I just I hated to hear the news. Obviously, um, he wasn't the, he wasn't very young. I mean, he was young for for what he was passing with, but um, you know, you don't realize. I didn't realize he was in his sixties. I mean, I know he's older, but I didn't until you see an up close picture. You don't really pay attention because he's so goofy. Um, but um, but yeah, tribute to him. What a guy he was, and uh, obviously, it's uh, it's tough for Mississippi State, but they hired from within, which was probably the smartest move yeah. for them, just based off the fact that. He was a Mike Leach guy, and he coached on his staff. So I definitely understand that hire for Mississippi State. Before we, you know, can we conclude our discussion here? Favorite story or moment you've come across from Mike Leach, and all the stories that have come out over the last couple of weeks. I'll be honest with you. Probably the last, just because of the last year and year and a half, and what all has been going on in my life, whether it was getting married, having a child, or getting ready to have a child, or whatever it may be. I think the the best thing for me is is listening to some of his marriage advice and the, the <laughs> interviews he's done on that. And he's spot on with a lot of things. I'm like, man, he gets it. I mean, he he definitely gets it. And he tell he he uh, will tell you things not to say to your wife. And huh. and uh, I mean, yeah, he's he gets it. He definitely gets it. So I think that's probably my top. And that's just like I said, that has zero to do with football. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I enjoyed really listening to him talk about football. And you talk about his offense. Uh, it's very unique. I love points. I love to see points being scored. Uh, obviously, watching Tennessee's offense is fun, and Heupel was under him and actually played quarterback for him when he was at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was it was just a heck of a lot of fun to, uh, to watch him talk about football and how he saw the game because he just saw the game so different than everybody else. And it, it was really, really incredible to, uh, to listen to him talk about that. Two stories that I had not heard previously prior to everything that happened, and they started coming out. And I don't remember who the reporters were, but 
One was it was a coach, I guess off the record, had was telling a story about how he's in the office one day, Mike Leach, or maybe it was when he, Mike Leach was in radio, which I had totally forgotten. There was about a three to four year period when Mike Leach was not even in coaching. Oh, he, he wrote a book. I mean, I mean yeah. about the what was the Geronimo, the Indian leader. Uh, I mean, he he just this is we was an onion with so many layers. But the story goes, they're sitting there, and and Mike Leach gets a call and. He picks up. He answers the first question with, "Well, where are you?" And he starts talking and talking, and then he drops the the call drops, and then he has to call him back, and he picks it up and he keeps going and going, and he's on the phone for like an hour, and he puts down the phone, and, and the guy that was in the office says, "Well, who was that?" And he said, oh, "I don't know. He had the wrong number." He, I mean, he spent the an hour on the phone with a total stranger <laughs> talking like he had like you know this like was a relative, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then That's the funny. other one, a college football reporter had called him. And was asking for him to tell him a his best prank story or something, and he says they get going and, and he's telling them all these stories and they're talking for like twenty minutes and then the reporter says I heard a whistle in the background and I said he says Mike are you at practice he said yeah yeah no problem and and he said he proceeded to talk to him for another twenty minutes while he was at practice <laughs> I, mean, I mean that just if that doesn't epitomize, epitomize Mike Leach uh, yeah. I, I don't know what will that but makes I, that that's him to a T for sure. So uh, rest in peace, Mike Leach. And obviously thoughts and prayers continue to go out to, to his yeah. kids, his family, his wife, his grandchildren, and, and just everyone from the Leach family. So, uh, But over the weekend, college football bowl season got going. Jordan, how many bowls did you get to watch on uh, Friday or Saturday? I'll be honest with you, I didn't get to see a lot of full games. Um, you know, I, I definitely saw the uh, – let's see, I, I saw the Louisville-Cincinnati, a little bit of that. Uh, but at the same – while that one was wrapping up, I started watching the, the uh, Colts and the uh, Vikings, so I actually turned that off. Um, but I did not see Fresno State, Washington State. Uh, saw a little bit of Oregon State and, and Florida, which was a smacking. Did you enjoy uh, that? I, I did enjoy that. And then I saw Southern – I did watch most of the Southern Miss-Rice game. I saw a lot of that. So, um, actually, Northside here in Jackson, Northside's – Head football coach son is the quarterback for Southern Miss. Oh, so Trey, Trey, yeah, Trey Lowe. So, wow. uh, so I got to watch a little bit of that and, and support him because he's he's a Jackson kid or a Bolivar kid, technically West yeah. Tennessee kid. Well, I did not get a chance to watch a ton of these because I was on the road to Haywood most of Saturday, but I did get to watch. Yes, in the office on Friday afternoon, UAB getting getting the win over Miami of Ohio in a, the Bahamas Bowl. That was quite a thriller. Uh, Troy UTSA was a game with a lot of hype, and while it was not easy on the eyes, it ended up being a good game. Uh, yeah. Eighteen to twelve, Troy came back and won that one. And then Oregon State, which you know I think everybody was pretty much on the Beaver train to beat Florida, but they humiliated Florida. And Florida now with back-to-back losing seasons for the first time since 1978-79, which is a thrill to be able to say that. Um, it is, and they they kicked the field goal late, John, so that they could uh, keep up their their streak of scoring at least a point. I think wow. it was like a hundred hundred and eighty something games straight, so they didn't want to break that streak. But there's a lot of people in Gainesville. I know I mentioned this last week. I'll say it real quick. But a lot of people in Gainesville are a little concerned about Billy Napier and how he calls his offense. So this is going to be interesting to see this unfold the next couple of years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he can turn the ship there because it's not often you hear about Florida going six and seven in back to back years. Well, they- they hired a coach and they went backwards. That's the thing I like. So, well, I mean, weren't they six? I mean, I guess they went neutral, you know, or whatever. You know, well, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the body of work. Dan Miller oh, was yeah, that. Yeah, that's true. Over there. Yeah. <laughs> Currently, it is true. 
Yeah. Uh, Louisville cruising past Cincinnati in the Fenway Bowl, 24 to 7. Fresno State over Washington State, 29 to 6 in the LA Bowl. Southern Miss defeats Rice, 38 24. That's the Lending Tree Bowl. And then uh, there was this out of the Lending Tree Bowl. Yes, that Frank Gore's son rushed for 329 yards in that bowl game. That is yeah. not, it was some kind <laughs> of record. Crazy. It was crazy. Un- unbelievable. He's toting the rock, man. He's toting the rock. Uh, maybe he's as good as his dad. Maybe he will be. Uh, BYU hangs, hangs on. They beat SMU on a last-second two-point conversion as SMU went for two in the win after they scored late. And they BYU held on to win the New Mexico Bowl. And then Tech Boise State held off North Texas 35-32 in the Frisco Bowl. And obviously still another big week of bowl games. We'll take a look at some of those. Might even mention some of the CFP in New Year's Six headlines. We'll take a break. When we come back, more college football discussion right after this on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams, it's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. Each and every week, they have deals on food and drinks, so you can support your favorite teams. On Monday night, cornhole tournament as well, $10 blind draw, sign-ups at 6 o'clock, bags fly at 7, and each and every weekend, you can stop by and take your shot at karaoke with live music as well. The Hawks Nest Bar and Grill is a proud sponsor of the Tri-State Sports Program, and they're located at 105 Church Street in Martin. Segment three on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex as we enter week two of bowl season. And this is what you've got to look forward to this week. And actually, I think this one just kicked off uh, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. San Jose (laughs) State taking on Eastern Michigan. And then tonight, you've got the Boca Raton Bowl between Liberty and Toledo. Then the rest of the week looks like this. On Wednesday night, New Orleans Bowl, Western Kentucky in South Alabama. On Thursday, the Armed Forces Bowl between Baylor and Air Force. On Friday, it's the Independence Bowl with Louisiana and Houston, the Gasparilla Bowl with Wake Forest and Missouri. And then on Saturday, as you finish wrapping your presents on Christmas Eve, the Hawaii Bowl between Middle Tennessee and San Diego State. So, Jordan, obviously uh, no major teams really playing these games, but anything stick out from this week's schedule? Uh, you know, I'm interested to see that Wake Forest, Missouri, just because I think those are two teams. And Missouri wasn't great this year, but they had some decent games. They played Georgia close, uh, and they I think they maybe beat South Carolina. I believe they had a couple of decent wins. Um, and then you got you know a Wake Forest team who has been pretty hot all year, but I'm assuming their quarterback's probably not playing in this game since he's transferring. Um, or has he announced that? I don't think he's announced yet. Yeah, okay, well maybe is he playing in the game? Uh, let me let me look. A lot of a lot, a lot is a lot is around that as far as whether or not he's going to play or if he's transferring. So I think that that's something uh, to keep an keep an eye on. I'm interested to see how MTSU does with San Diego State. I mean, MTSU hasn't been awful this year. I mean, so I'm interested to see that. Uh, but other than that, that's pretty much the only things that that really stand out from those bowl games. Wake Forest does not have any opt outs as of yet, so we will see. Uh, I'm wow. interested to see uh, the the Air Force Baylor game because yeah. I mean, has Baylor figured out how to stop the option yet is is kind of a big question. And then I'm honestly, if I wasn't calling the the Union City game tonight, I'd be interested just to see on the the Boca Raton Bowl side, Liberty uh, without Hugh Freeze, how do they respond tonight? They kind of limped through the finish line, and Toledo ended up winning the MAC, and so 
and their interim coach, um, his first name slipping my mind, his last name's Aldridge, but his mom actually works in Jackson. Wow. Um, and she, she's been, she actually works with my mom. She's been posting about him getting that opportunity. So maybe if, if Liberty can find a way, cause you know, he freezes, got a lot of ties to this area. So he's, he hired a lot of coaches from, um, whether it was Northern Mississippi, West Tennessee, kind of right through here. Cause he's coached a lot through, through yeah. this area. And of course, Oxford's not far from Jackson either. So, um, you know, he's, he's always honored that with his coaches. So maybe if he, if uh, Coach Aldridge gets an opportunity tonight to uh, to show what he can do, maybe he can earn that job full, uh, long term. Well, they've actually announced they're hiring Jamie Chadwell. Have they? Yes. Yeah, so you know mm-hmm. the que- the question for him would be: Can he land another job somewhere else, or does he stay at Liberty? Um, yeah, and I believe he went to Jackson Christian as well. I think mm-hmm. he's a Jack- Jackson Christian grad. So um, so Matt, yeah, hopefully he can stay on staff and and continue to to uh, coach there if he wants to do that for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. But. Off the field, the transfer portal. Take a drink. You've heard that one quite a few times already <laughs> this this year, and you will continue to do so. Uh, obviously, you've got the CFP and New Year's Six coming up, and uh, we've talked about that. I mean, Jordan, any other comment on any of those games that you want to mention before we uh, no, head into I'm the good. transfer portal? We can go full-fledged yeah. into that. Yes, yeah, so let's dive into the transfer portal. Uh, some interesting angles that I don't think have really been talked about enough. And, and it was, you know, I sent you this on Twitter because I kind of thought, well, this is interesting that a sitting head coach of a program has gone on social media to, to say this. And, you know, you, you suspect it, but I don't know that you've quite ever, you know, anyone's out and out said it, but UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer went on Twitter last night and called out the NCAA for not really – uh, putting any sort of rules on, on possible tampering, basically accusing bigger programs. He didn't name any names. He just kind of said bigger programs are reaching out to players on his team that are not in the portal, trying to get them to get into the portal and trying to entice them to uh, to come to their school. So, I mean, Jordan, obviously that's kind of an angle we haven't really thought about a ton, but uh, the tampering, what does the NCAA have to do to kind of slow that and curb that going forward? It's going to be madness, man. It's unlike anything else. I mean, this, the college football is going to be complete madness because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's similar to, oh, you know, NIL money is going to come from local businesses that are supporting these athletes. No, coaches are going to find those deals. You cannot tell me uh, that these guys are, are finding these. Of course, they know some of the top-name athletes. They're not calling them on their own. I mean, they're going to go through the university, the coaches, whoever they got to. It, it's a mess, John. I don't know what they're going to have to do. Uh, but this is not going to be the last time. It sure ain't the first time that this has happened. They're going to continue to go to these smaller schools where a lot of kids have showed out and say, hey, you can come here in the SEC or uh, I would say the ACC, but it's a, a laughing stock uh, or the you know the Big Ten or whatever it may be, and you can win a lot of big games. So I, I don't think it's the end of this. It's going to be madness until they figure this out. Well, I was reading a, a an article from The Athletic last week about it, and this quote, I mean – there's a lot, obviously it's got to be true just because we've talked about it and talked about NIL and, and the blend of that. But just astonishing to hear one SEC recruiting coordinator say it didn't say who it was, but there's more money to be made as a portal quarterback than as an NFL quarterback. And it, I mean, when you think about, I mean, you're talking about Nico for Tennessee possibly getting up to $8 million in NIL just to come to Tennessee as a high school recruit. You think about a Drake May who didn't end up going to the portal, but someone of his caliber in the portal and with all these mm-hmm. quarterbacks, I mean, you're talking about getting paid more than a, a you know, later round pick in the NFL to make, to, to go to a college. And so yep. um, obviously a ton of different names in the portal. And the big one right now that just went in the portal the other day 
Former number one overall recruit Travis Hunter, who had reportedly taken a big NIL deal to go to Jackson State with Deion Sanders, he is now in the portal, said yesterday, just because Deion went to Colorado, that doesn't mean he is already going to Colorado. He's going to weigh his options. And I can't blame him. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and we, you know, we both listened to the Cover 3 podcast, and they talked yeah. about this, just that, you know, if he enters the portal, the minute he does, Kirby Smart's picking up the phone, Ryan Day's picking up the phone, Nick Saban's picking up the phone, every Power 5. Hopefully program, Josh Heupel. Yes, hopefully. Uh, they're picking up the phone. So where do you see this playing out? Do you think it's likely he ends up back with Dion, or do you think he's going to shoot for the money and end up at a, at a bigger school? I have no idea. I mean, I guess it depends on the relationship with Dion, but I mean, I definitely, I see a lot more guys that are going to chase after the money. And John, what happens after these guys get in the portal three or four or five times and they keep making all this money off NIL? I mean, how do you stop that? I mean, how yeah. does, like, say for, I hope this doesn't happen. Nico's getting his bag. When are they guaranteed this money? Are they going to get it up front? When are they going to get it? Because as soon as Nico gets that bag, what if he jumps in the portal and gets another one for somebody else? It's I just think it's madness, and I think it's going to be crazy to watch all this unfold over the next couple of years until they can really figure out how it needs to be. No doubt about that. And you I think know, you need talk- a limit. I think you yeah. need a limit how many times you can transfer as well. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think that would be <laughs> smart. Uh, I just don't know. I mean, right now it's just the wild, wild west until um, until some real rules are – instigated taking a look at the quarterback market that's obviously the big thing in the transfer portal right now uh coastal carolina quarterback grayson mccall has entered the portal and is reportedly going to visit auburn and you know jordan he comes from an offense where he was very mobile he can throw the ball at coastal carolina too to me that sounds like a dream type quarterback for hugh freeze at auburn 110 percent i couldn't say it any better i have any comment to add besides that yes that's uh that's the type of guy that he wants to go get so i mean could very well end up being an Auburn Tiger. Former NC State quarterback Devin Leary, highly predicted to end up at Kentucky. So there is the Will Levis replacement. Uh, several Alabama names have been heading heading into the portal. TCU has actually landed a couple of them, including wide receiver JoJo Earl. Quarterback Nick Evers from Oklahoma is headed to Wisconsin to join Luke Fickle. Virginia's Brennan Armstrong is reportedly visiting Oklahoma as well. A name that no one has really kind of found any steam on and really kind of figured out where he's leaning is DJ Uyangalele from Clemson. Jordan, any thoughts on where he might end up? I don't know that people want him, John. You think? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's looking pretty doggone bad. And that's another yeah. thing that we that we really ain't talked about is once you jump in the portal, a lot of these guys, I mean, there's not enough places. So you either go back to where you came from, which I, if I'm a coach, I don't like that. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how, I mean, like, again, how this all unfolds, but there's got to be some kind of rule about getting in and then trying to come back. I mean, I, yeah. don't, I don't get that. I wouldn't like that as a coach at all. UCLA under Chip Kelly picked up two major quarterbacks over the last over the last week. Five-star quarterback Dante Moore flipped from Oregon to UCLA in Kent, and got a Kent State transfer in Colin Schley. And speaking of Oregon, you know, we were laughing about this. Cam McCormick at Oregon. Wow. Granted a ninth year of eligibility. Nine. That is unbelievable. I think the funniest tweet I read was that the guys he'll be playing with were in middle school when he started at Oregon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That is uh, wild. That's, that's pretty wild. I mean, it's, this guy's going to have a full-fledged right. family before he leaves. Yeah. On the Oregon front, I was trying to remember, there was a reason this Dante Moore had flipped to UCLA. Yeah. 
Bo Nix because of coming back. Bo Nix. Because of Bo Nix. Yep. What do you That's think about that? Uh, cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he really would have had a, a great draft stock, so I guess I understand it. But as soon as he announced that, yeah, they got flipped. So I guess Oregon's throwing in all their chips on Bo Nix for another year. So Yeah. Obviously, so much more to unfold in the transfer portal. We will obviously try to keep tabs on that. And hopefully by the time we get back in January, the dust will have settled. And we'll try to uh, at least keep you up to date on all the new guys as it feels like an NFL or NBA free agency right now, uh, trying to keep tabs on where all of these guys are going. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into what was an incredible weekend of NFL football in week 15. More in a moment coming up on the other side of the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. For your next car or truck, come see Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Jerry Ward and his all-star team have a lot filled with pre-owned small, mid-sized, and full-size cars, SUVs, and nice trucks, too. And if they don't have the right size, they'll find it for you. No matter what you're looking for, score your next ride at Jerry Ward Autoplex, Real Foot Avenue in Union City, or online at jerrywardautoplex.com. Like Jerry always says, don't dream it, drive it. Be a winner with Jerry Ward Autoplex in Union City. Segment four on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. Week 15 of the NFL season is in the books. And my, my goodness, was it one of the more entertaining NFL weekends in NFL history. Three games featured 17-plus Point comebacks. That is the most in NFL history. We will start with, uh, we'll just go day by day. Thursday night football last week, San Francisco holding off Seattle 21 to 13. That clinches the NFC West and a playoff berth for the 49ers as Brock Purdy continues to play really, really well. But, you know, Jordan, again, this is still a seventh round pick at quarterback, and it's a very simple offense for quarterbacks. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan sets them up well to play well. So how long can he keep it up? And as good as the 49ers defense is, how far can they go behind that defense? I think they're in the final four. I think they're in the NFC championship. Wow. I really believe it. I think their defense is good enough. Um, could they make a Super Bowl? Yes. But I do, I do think they make it to the NFC championship. And I, I've been impressed with him. I think as long as he's in this offense, he's, I mean, he's made some really good plays, really good throws. So, um, I think it could go on for a while. I mean, they're they're really they really got it going right now. I just it's hard for me to envision a team with Brock Purdy at quarterback making the NFC title game. I mean, they're they've got weapons I'm everywhere. Saying, I, I just don't. I just feel like they have a ceiling with him. Uh, I mean, because you've got other good teams in the NFC: the Vikings, they, the Eagles, the, the Cowboys. I mean, you know what I mean. The only thing, the only thing that really stands out to me is that they're going to be able to get stops. He's not going to score a lot of points. So that's I true. think that's I think that's the main reason. I think defense long term. I still stick to the old saying: defense wins championships. But we'll see. Yes, indeed. Let's go to Saturday as my team made a complete fool of themselves yet again. As I'll you know yeah. just take another drink with that uh, because they've done that uh, several different times this season. But uh, Minnesota coming back from an NFL record thirty-three point hole to beat the Colts 39-36 to in overtime. And with that record, they take the record from former head coach Frank Reich, who led the uh, – the, I think it was the Bills to – he, he had the famous comeback against the Oilers in the playoffs, the circle of the wagons game or whatever it was called. Uh, and this comes on the heels, uh, Jordan, of two weeks ago, watching Dallas score, yes, 33 points in the fourth quarter on national television, 
it's almost like hiring and a former offensive lineman who has never coached and was most more recently doing ESPN work and doing basically what we're doing right now uh, was a bad idea. I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. It's almost like that was not the greatest idea in the world. But, uh, you know, here we are. But to the Vikings' credit, now six fourth-quarter comeback wins for Minnesota, three of them from double digits. And how about this number for you? The last two teams to come back from 24 down and win a regular season NFL game, both quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins. Your thoughts, Kirk Cousins, the comeback kid. He's the comeback kid, I guess, man. I, I, left, I left the house when this game was 33 to nothing, thinking – at first, at the beginning – I was texting you in the first half, and, I, and at the beginning I was like, is this for real? Like, they're flying around, they're making plays. Uh, I mean, offensively looked good. Then, you know, obviously that's without Jonathan Taylor. He got hurt in the first drive, which killed my fantasy luck. But um, a lot of things look good for the Colts, and they look like – they didn't have it looked all year. And, in fact, I heard an ESPN a, uh, analyst last week sometime early in the week say that he thought the Colts would blow out the Vikings. That was his crazy pick of the week. And whenever I, whenever the game started, <clears throat> I was like, wow, this guy's – I don't remember who it was. It was somebody that was on, on the show with Stephen A. Smith on first take. But um, I said, wow, I mean, I guess he sees something I don't see. And then when they started the game, they're up 33 nothing. I was like, wow, that guy's right. And then all of a sudden, of course, I leave the house. I'm out getting some Christmas shopping done. And I get a text from John Thornton that says, I knew this was going to happen. And it's a screenshot. <laughs> it's a screenshot of the Minnesota Vikings down eight with like three minutes left. And I'm like, what? So then I have, I hadn't watched a second of the second half at, the, at that point. And then they had scored 28 straight points. And I said, oh, my gosh, like what is going on? So I flipped it on and I watched the ending. And, of course, uh, we all know what happened. But it was um, – it was crazy. It was very crazy. I've never seen anything like it. There was a lot of things that happened in the NFL, which I know we're going to get to this past weekend, um, that were crazy. And this was definitely the top of the list because I don't understand how you blow a 33-point lead. I never will. It's Yeah. I mean, it's historic. It's unfathomable. Um, Cousins, with that, joined, with his multiple 24-point comeback wins, joins Tom Brady as the only quarterback with multiple – only two quarterbacks with multiple 24-point wins. Uh, we, we mentioned the Vikings joining the Frank Reich-led Bills in NFL history. They are now just the second team to come back from 30-plus down and win. According to Sport Radar data on ESPN, since the data available since 1930, they are only the second team in 1,551 regular season or playoff games to trail by 30 or more points and still win. So, uh, yeah, great job, Indy. Yeah. What do the Colts do from moving forward, John? I mean, what do you clean house? I mean, um, I think you get a new coach. I think you have to find a new general manager. Um, I would like to fire the owner if I can fire the owner, but uh, apparently you can't do that. So uh, you know that, that that's unfortunate. <laughs> you could buy um, the, you could buy the team from him. I, I wish I had that kind of money. Um, <laughs> you find a quarterback and then you start rebuilding and you get ready for the future. Um, and do not take Will Levis. Um, that yes, that uh, that that is where I am right now. I can't wait. I can't wait for them to draft Will Levis. Uh, if they draft Will Levis, uh, will you will you be sick the next show? Are you gonna sit that next week out or? Yeah, yeah. I might I might have to take a sick day on that one. Um, 
yeah, I, I just uh, I, mm, I, I can't even. God, that'd be hilarious. Oh, anyway, moving on. The rest of Saturday, not as eventful, but there was still a good game on on uh, Saturday night. The Browns did beat the the Lamarless Ravens thirteen to three in a typical AFC North defensive struggle. Uh, not much entertainment value there. The Bills outgunned the Dolphins in the snow on a 32-29 shootout in Orchard Park. The Bills clinched the AFC East. Or no, they did not clinch the AFC East, but they did clinch their playoff spot, and they are very close to clinching the number one seed, which would force the AFC to come through Buffalo. And Jordan, if they get that number one seed, and that weather is any indication of what it will be like in January, that would put the Bills in a very, very advantageous spot come postseason time. And Sunday night, I was a little disappointed when I flipped on the game because I was wanting the, the field to be, you know, full with snow. I was like, why did they just leave the snow out there, man? Let them play in some snow. That would have made it more entertaining. But then the snowfall came back late in the second half, so it's fun to watch. But happy for uh, happy for Miami because everybody talked about all week how they wouldn't be able to handle it. They would get blown out going down to or going up to Buffalo from Miami. Um, but the way they the way they hung in there and played well, props to them, man. Especially Tua who's never played in, in cold weather. And, and that was the thing I know you'll talk about last night probably as well, but watching last night's game, uh, that was <laughs> them guys from LA playing in the cold was hilarious against the green Bay. Um, but yeah, props to props to them. And as far as the bills go, I think the bills are obviously going to be a tough out for anybody. Uh, and they got, a, they got a great opportunity to be the number one seed. And, and that's going to be uh, anytime you got to go through Buffalo and win games, that's going to be tough. Yeah, no doubt. Especially because of how good that crowd is and, you know, it is a tough place to go and play. On Sunday, if you thought the entertainment was over, well, you were wrong. Jalen Hurts rushed for three touchdowns, but he injured his shoulder. Now, he might play. They're saying he could play, but they, the Eagles did win 25-20 over the Bears, and that my fantasy team desperately needs him to play. If not, uh, we've made the postseason, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. The Saints beat the Falcons 21-18, to and because that division is so awful – it is a one-game lead for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and three teams that are 5-9 and nine currently are one game out of the postseason, only for that four seed. Think about that, Jordan. One of Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Carolina, or Atlanta is going to host a wild-card game on a weekend. How I, ridiculous I is this? It's, it's, it's stupid. It really is. It's, it's insane. That division is, is fighting to tooth and nail to be the worst division in football with the AFC South. So. What is it about the South divisions this year that are so bad? I, 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 I don't know. It's something in the water, I guess, down there in the South. I don't know. Yes. I, I think we've got to have an NFL rule discussion about changing the the, play, the top half of the playoff bracket to where you clinch your spot, but record has to matter. I mean, the the, the Cowboys are 10-4. and four. They've clinched their playoff spot and are probably going to have to travel to whoever is the garbage NFC South team that wins that division. I just, yep. you know. You've got – I think you've got to fix something with that, I, I, you know. Anyway, moving on, Detroit winning again, and they have now improved to 7-7 seven and seven with a 20-17 to 17 win over the Jets. Detroit is on a roll, looking like they could very well make it into the postseason. The Jets have lost three in a row because, simply put, Zach Wilson ain't it in New York. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree, and I think that <laughs> – their coach is arguing that uh, that you got to quit being so hard on him because he's a young guy. But look, it, they don't give anybody no sympathy when you come into the league. You got to be good. I mean, if you're yeah. not good, you got to try somebody else. And Mike White hopefully will be back for him this weekend. So we'll see. I asked our friend Mike Hutchins today when he was when he was up here. 
Did you ever envision a scenario this season where your Green Bay Packers would be fighting the Detroit Lions for second place in your division? And then he proceeded to tell me the final schedule for, for Green Bay and the final schedule for Detroit. Detroit is playing like three teams with losing records the rest of the way, like Carolina, yeah. Chicago, uh, and then they play Green Bay in the last weekend. And Green Bay has Miami and Minnesota before they play Detroit. Yeah. I know. Good luck. Good luck, no. to the Packers. Um, and they got to win. Green Bay needs. Uh, Green Bay has to win out, and then the Giants and the Commanders have to lose one more game. I believe is what I saw for them to get in. So good luck. That's good all I got luck. to say. Good luck. Uh, the Mitch Trubisky led Steelers get a 24-16 win over the Panthers, and then in one of the other major comeback games of the weekend, the Jaguars coming back from 27 to 10 down to tie the game late in force overtime. And then on a late pick six, they stun the Cowboys 40-34 to in overtime. Trevor Lawrence going off again, 318 yards, excuse me, and four touchdowns. And just like that, Jordan, the Jags suddenly creeping up on the Titans in the AFC South. That they are. I mean, they're, they're definitely gaining ground, and they're playing a lot better football than the Titans are right now, and they've got some confidence as well. Um, I mean – I don't know how I feel about it. How much stock do I put in the Jaguars really being able to, to close this thing out? I'm not sure, but I think that you got to look at them as a favorite to to run the table and and um, try to get in there over the Titans. Yeah, I, I mean, because the Texans I mean, the Texans aren't playing like a one win team right now. So I'm no. just throw that out there. what is the week good. 18? You guys play the Jaguars and the Titans? Yeah, and and I saw today where uh, there's a good chance even if we lose this weekend that that could still be the division title uh if things work out like everybody predicts them to who do you guys play this weekend texans oh that's right yeah now christmas eve and then uh we got the the, yeah (laughs) and then we got the cowboys next thursday night on the 29th and then we finish up with uh jacksonville where's the game what they came or we went did we go down there the first time no they beat us in nashville i believe so i think we had to go there thank you let me, let well, me double check that. Trust me, I, I know my team uh, has fun in Jacksonville. So, um, good luck. Um, yeah. you can, when you say it, when you find it, just let, let yeah, us know. We're going, yeah, we're going to Jacksonville. That's what I thought. Ooh, my team knows a thing or two about winning in games in Jacksonville. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, enjoy. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Houston. Houston nearly pulling off a stunner over Kansas City, but it is Jarek McKinnon saving the day for the Chiefs 30-24 to in overtime as the Chiefs win their seventh straight AFC West title, which is hilarious because, you know, Jordan, we, back in the spring, we were talking about this division. You know, we are thinking you got Justin Herbert, you've got Derek Carr and a really good Raiders team, you've got Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Man, this division's going to be competitive. Could this whole division make the postseason? Will somebody other than the Chiefs win the division? Will the Chiefs finish third? And uh, it's business as usual. And we have discovered that Russ cannot cook. Um, the Raiders cannot maintain a lead, but they did get a gift this weekend, which we'll get to. But the Chargers are still pretty good, but they're still not as good as the Chiefs. Did you, right, say, where the, did you say where the Broncos score more points this past weekend without Russ than they have all year? Yes, Brett Ripien. Woo, man, 24 points. Look, I, I was I was bought in that Russ might be okay, man. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it would be decent. I was too. I mean, I, it's bad. I thought this division would. We talked about it. I thought this division would be great to watch it unfold. Here we are. It, it yeah, it's been yeah, it's been it bad. was it's been business as usual. You mentioned Denver. They snap a six game losing streak, twenty four to fifteen win 
over the Cardinals. No Russ, no Kyler Murray for either team. It was Christmas early for Las Vegas as Jacoby Myers gave them an early Christmas present. Um, we'll get to the last play here in a second. But at first, it looked like Vegas would uh, blow yet another lead. They led 17-3 to in the first half. Then New England took a late 24-17 lead. And then a, a toe-tapping epic touchdown pass from Derek Carr to Keelan Cole tied the game with 32 seconds to go. And so, Jordan, I'm just going to let, – let's just think about this, okay? Yes, come on, man. That, that has to be the epitome of come on, man. Great segment from, from Monday Night Countdown. Tie ball game, last play of the game. You're on your side of the field. If you don't score, you're going to overtime. What's the harm in that? You can throw the Hail Mary. You can just knee it and go to go to overtime. Or, as Bill Belichick decided to do, let's lateral it and pray that maybe, you know, the Raiders don't recover a fumble and – score the winning touchdown, and, uh, well, Jacoby Myers uh, decided he was going to throw the ball 20 yards backwards to uh, Mac Jones, who is supposed to be the one throwing the ball, and waiting there next to Mac Jones is former All-Pro defensive end Chandler Jones, who humiliates Mac Jones in the process of scoring the winning touchdown, and the Raiders win one of the most ridiculous ways I have ever witnessed on a football field. You know what this reminds me of? What does this remind me of? Sure. And yeah. I'm sitting there trying to think of his name, and it's been a crazy week, and I can't think of it. When In the finals, when LeBron – Oh, J.R. Smith. Yes. J.R. Smith. Yes. This, reminds me of, this reminds me of that because a lot of people were saying that they assumed that Myers thought the game – that they were losing. I thought he was losing. I mean, you don't do this. You, you don't do this. It makes zero sense. You learned this in Pee Wee, John, when we started playing football and, heck, flag football. You learned this back a long time ago. When the game is tied, you do not throw the ball backwards and give the give the opposing team an opportunity to get the ball and score and win the game, especially at the end of the game. You do not do that. Similar to when you're saving the ball in basketball, you do not save it on the opponent's side of the floor because if you save it in under the basket, it's a layup. It's it's very it's very easy. It's very simple concepts. These guys are getting paid millions of dollars to play football. I mean, when I saw this, I, I was I was just blown away that there that this kind of stuff can happen, man. It, it blows my mind that you see this kind of stuff happen. Um, I just I don't get it. Now, what I am thankful for is that the the rushing yards for Stevenson did count. I needed those to count, so that was big for me. I'm in I'm in a two week game with somebody right now because we're in the playoffs, so uh, that definitely helped me uh, get ready for for this upcoming week. But what worries me about right now in fantasy, and I know this is a completely off the subject. Is the fact that a lot of these people are sitting because their teams are already in the playoffs. Yeah. So I'm I'm very concerned with how I'm going to have to juggle this these next few weeks, John. I'm very very concerned about this. Yeah, I really I, am. I can yeah I can relate, but uh, <laughs> my goodness. Uh, I also have this question. Mac Jones had a very good rookie season. He has been atrocious this year. Do you think it has more to do with him not having an offensive coordinator, or is Mac Jones just this bad? He's on a bad team and he's got a bad coach. I don't think he's that bad. I don't think he's great, but I would take I would take Mac Jones Jones in uh, Tennessee over Ryan Tannehill. I'll wow. tell you that. I would. I really believe I would. Um, and I, I think he can be a good quarterback, but I think he's going to have to be in a good system with some talent around him. And that's that's really what it's all about. A lot of people have been asking about the Eagles: Is Jalen Hurts this good, or is it, is it the supporting cast? You got to have a good supporting cast. Every good quarterback has a good supporting cast. I mean, there's not. You can't think of many Super Bowl winning quarterbacks as of late. 
if it, I mean, I, I can't speak for, you know, past 20 years ago, but uh, a lot of these guys have had really good supporting cast and good players around them. John, you, to be good, you have to have good guys, good guys around you, good players. That's just part of it. Yes, no doubt. And then in the final crazy game of the day, Joe Burrow leads Cincinnati from 17-0 down into a 34-17 victory. Well, a lead, and then they win 34-23. The Bengals all of a sudden, Jordan, have won six in a row. They're leading the AFC North. They're red hot at the same time they were last year. And I don't think we can rule them out as a threat in the AFC once again. You know, we kind of thought maybe you don't think they're a threat. No, I said you can't rule them out. No. Can't rule them out. Yeah. No, well, I just am thinking, you know, early in the season we thought the Super Bowl loss hangover was going to have an effect, and it, you know, maybe it did early, but they're red yeah. hot right now, and and they're going to be a serious threat in the AFC. I wish we had Joe Burrow, man. That's all I got to say because that maybe dude's a stud. He's a gamer. He wins games. He, I mean, I've seen him throw them on his back at times this year. But again, John, what we just talked about, he's got dudes. He's got dudes around him. He's got a lot of talent. The receiving core solid. Uh, they can run the ball really well. And even with Mixon was out, Piran was a great back for them. Their offensive line's got improved. They're not great, but they've improved. And, I mean, their defense has been playing decent. I mean, the Bengals are good. and to, I mean, they are a threat. I definitely think they're a threat. And, I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they're in their head mentally. They have not beaten them the last three times they played. Uh, so, yeah. this is going to be – it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds in the AFC. But, yes, I do think the Bengals are a threat. No doubt. Uh, and then the, the NFC East, the Giants won a big showdown with the Commanders on a late goal line stand 20-12. to 12, Some weird officiating in that. So after the dust has settled, this is what the playoff picture looks like heading into Week 16. In the AFC, the Bills with a head-to-head tiebreaker over Kansas City have clinched a playoff spot, but they hell hold the number one seed. The Chiefs who have clinched the AFC West are the number two. The Bengals have moved up to number three at 10-4. and four and are the three seed. The Titans are currently still the AFC South leader at 7-7 seven and seven and are the four seed. The Ravens, the top wild card in the five slot, 9-5, and five. and then the Chargers hold a head-to-head tiebreak over the 8-6 and six Dolphins. Also sitting 8-6 and six are the Chargers, and they are the 6-7. and seven. In the hunt still, the Patriots at 7-7, seven and seven, the Jets at 7-7, seven and seven, the Jags at 6-8, and eight, the Raiders 6-8, and eight, the Browns 6-8, and eight, the Steelers 6-8, and eight, and so that is where things currently stand. Over in the NFC, the top three seeds have clinched their playoff spot or their division. The Eagles have clinched the playoff spot, not their division just yet. The Vikings have clinched the NFC North. The 49ers have clinched the NFC West. The Bucks currently sit as the fourth seed despite their losing record. The Cowboys, with a playoff berth in hand, have, are sitting in the five spot. The Giants are in the six with the Commanders seven. And then still in the hunt, the Seahawks seven and seven, Lions seven and seven, and the Packers six and eight, and then the entire rest of the NFC South sitting at five and nine, one game back of Tampa Bay. Anything stick out from the standings, Jordan? I just think the the madness in the uh, NFC is kind of crazy, and there's a lot of decent teams in the AFC as well. Um, but the you look at the top of the NFC: the Eagles, Vikings, and 49ers, and then you you drop in the Cowboys, but then you drop off. I mean, it's. The Giants, because I know the Giants are eight five and one, but they're playing bad football right now. They've been bad the last few weeks, um, but it's really it's really top heavy in the NFC. You got a couple of top heavy teams in the AFC, and then it's kind of just uh, and Bengals are trending up as well. But after that, it just a lot of teams that are around the same. So it's going to be crazy because there's a lot of scenarios out there as there always is the last few few weeks of the season. So I'm interested to see how how it uh, shapes out. Yeah. 
It'll be fun to see how it unfolds. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we will finish out the show for the year with, a, with an edition of the stock market as we are done with picks for the year. Back with more in a moment on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. If you're looking for a place to sit back, relax, and support your favorite sports teams, it's the Hawks Nest Bar and Grill in Martin. Each and every week, they have deals on food and drinks, so you can support your favorite teams. On Monday night, cornhole tournament as well, $10 blind draw, sign-ups at 6 o'clock, bags fly at 7, and each and every weekend, you can stop by and take your shot at karaoke with live music as well. The Hawks Nest Bar and Grill is a proud sponsor of the Tri-State Sports Program, and they're located at 105 Church Street in Martin. Final segment of the show today on the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Ward Autoplex. And as we're done with our pick'em for this year, we're going to move back to the stock market and dive into just a lot of different topics. As Jordan said, we thought this would be a good way to round out our calendar year 2022 for this show. And so with obviously so many different things we've kind of touched on in this show, kind of a wide variety of different topics Several football, but a couple of baseball and one in the NBA as well. So, Jordan, let's start with this. Buy or sell? Aaron Judge just signed a nine-year deal to stay with the Yankees. Over the course of that deal, Aaron Judge will win a World Series title. I think that it leans towards uh, buying because it's nine years. I mean, there's got to be a a good chance there that the Yankees will win one in the next nine years. So, I'll say buy. I do say buy as well. I think eventually they will get over the hump. They have gotten so close so many times. But I think at some point uh, they'll get enough pieces. I mean, they have too much money. They're they're going to be able to they're going to be able to stock the cupboard, and, and they're going to find a way. Let's move to the NBA. The Grizzlies currently the number one seed in the West, and they have done so without their top shooting guard and Desmond Bain have had some other injuries. John Morant's missed some time. Jaron Jackson's missed some time. But despite all of that, they are the number one seed in the Western Conference at the moment. But they will finish there. Buy or sell, Jordan. Uh, I'll sell. I'll take the field. I mean, I, as bad as I want to say yes, because I like Ja and I like following Memphis, even though we've had some historic great battles with the Spurs. The Spurs are not even close to being where Memphis is right now. So, for now, I'll say uh, I'll say sell because I think hey, I'll you're, take. You're just your boys are trying to get the lottery ticket. We we, we know, man. You know, we don't even know what's. We got dudes shooting free throws one handed, John. We got a lot want, to figure out. Man. You want the Victor Winbayama guy from France? We, we know. We know you like your foreign guys in San Antonio. So it's okay. It's okay. It's always guys I can't pronounce. Yeah, that's who we draft. So yeah, I'm going to buy because I think the, the Grizzlies are only going to get better. Um, I think. I mean, this is the thing. Again, I just said it. You're missing Desmond. Ba- the Grizzlies. Somebody had 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 the note the other day. They have yet to play any meaningful minute. I don't think they played any minutes with their actual starting five. That would be their starting five guys, which would be Morant, uh, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, that five has not played at all this year together. And so wow. maybe you get that group together, the sky, you know, the sky's the limit. So yeah. uh, I I think they I, I think they are only going to get better. I think the Grizzlies will finish with the number one seed and and they'll have home court. Well, I don't know if that means they're making the finals, but I, yeah. I think I think they're going to be right there. Let's go to college football. Florida just finished with a losing record for the second straight year. That's the first time in almost, what, 40, 50 years since we've seen that. So Billy Napier will make it through year four at Florida, buy or sell Jordan. I mean, I'd like to do this in today's time and what I've seen currently. What I've seen currently, there's no reason for me to believe this. So I'm going to say 
he will not. So Billy, you said Billy Napier will make it. So I'll sell it. I don't. I think he's fired. Yeah, I'm selling too. I think he just right now. This body work. As we sit here, he'll be he'll be gone. But he might be. He might not make it through year three. I I mean, I I really don't know. If Um, he does, if he if they finish next year like they did this year, I think he's gone. I'm be honest with you. Tough crowd for Jordan. Yeah. All opt-outs will slow down as more teams are allowed into the college football playoff because my take is if you think they're hey, stopping at 12, if yeah. you think they're stopping at 12, I think you're crazy. They're, it's more money. So buy or sell that as they continue to expand, opt-outs will slow down. Well, John, I didn't even see this earlier, and I, I brought it up, so you should be yes. proud of me. We're on the same page here. Yes. Um, I think it does slow down because I think games are more meaningful down the stretch. And so, yeah. I think it does. I do too, because if you, you know, I mean, we saw it with Jackson Smith and Jigba for Ohio State, but he's barely played this year. So, I mean, I don't really think you yeah. can apply him into this scenario. But I think at the end of the day, that's the way these kids are looking at it is a bowl game really means nothing to me in the grand scheme of things. But, uh, you know, a playoff game, a chance to go win a national championship, that means something. And I yeah. think if you give more teams that opportunity, I think it will slow down as well. Final one in college football. Deion Sanders will win the Pac-12 at Colorado by the end of year three. This one's hard because the Pac-12 is not great. I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of talent there, but how well can he coach at that level? Oh, man, this is hard. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell it. Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. I just don't – because at the end of the day, yes, when UCLA and yes, USC are leaving, but you're still going to have a good Oregon team. Washington's still going to be pretty good in that conference. Washington State's had some good years. I, I think he can get them into that upper tier, but that quickly win the Pac-12 title, I, I don't know. It's pretty quick. Yeah, I don't see, I don't see it either for sure. This is a name – I'm going to go to the NFL. This is a name I've seen in Colts circles that keeps getting folded out. Buy or sell Jim Harbaugh as the next head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I will sell that, but I will say if Michigan gets embarrassed in the playoff, then it's possible. Okay. I'm going to sell because it makes too much sense. And Jim Harbaugh, well, Jim Ursay is not going to do anything that makes sense. I mean, Jim Harbaugh played for the Colts. He's in the ring of honor. was a good quarterback. He's had success at the NFL level. On every metric, it makes sense for Jim Ursay <laughs> to offer him the job and to try to go get him. But because of that, I will sell it because we're a clown show. Until you want him, though. Would you rather, I guess you'd rather have him than Jeff Saturday, but. Well, yes. Um, I mean, I don't know. It just kind of depends on who's out there. I, I mean, he's a. I mean, the thing with him that's attractive is he's coached in the NFL. He took a team to the Super Bowl. He was really good with the 49ers for several years. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, now obviously it's been a while since he's been in the NFL. So I don't know how much that, you know, would change things. But against some random offensive or defensive coordinator, I mean, yeah, I, I you know, I'd give it a shot. All right, here's an interesting debate. Number two in the NFL, the Broncos will hire a new head coach, and that is going to help them right the ship, which will prove that this disaster of a season is not on Russell Wilson. I don't think they do it next year, but I, I mean, I do think, I do think it happens, but I'm not sure it happens next year. Buy or sell that this is Russell Wilson's fault, or it's or it's Nathaniel Hackett's. I think it's a mixture of both, but I'm gonna sell that it. I'm gonna buy that it's more Hackett's fault than it is Wilson's. Yeah, I think it's more on Hackett. I think because we saw what we we've seen what what Russell Wilson can do. So yep. 
I, I think, you know, it's just been a disaster of a marriage between a coach and a quarterback. Yep. Final one. Final one. There has been some talk about the Vikings, even though they are 11-3, and three, and obviously they have completed all these crazy comebacks. But many people think they're fool's gold. So do you buy or sell the Vikings as a legitimate threat to win the NFC? I'm going to sell just because I think the other teams above them are, are better and they're more of a threat. Uh, define threat, though. I mean, they they can compete, but I don't think that they're going to be in the final two or three teams in the NFC. I'll, th- I'll say yeah, that. Yeah. I guess you got to be – it's either four or two, but I don't think they'll be in the – I'm going to say I don't think they'll be in the conference championship. Okay, yeah. I I don't either. I, I take the field. I, I, right now, and this is crazy of me to even say this, I could very well see an Eagles Cowboys NFC Championship game. Wouldn't that? How much fun would that be? I know. I know. It how could happen. I, I, I could see that being. Jalen Hurts needs to get healthy, though, for yeah. sure. But I'm going to sell as well because I just don't, I don't see them, you know. I, I buy, or sell, buy or sell that the Tri State Sports Program will return in 2023. Buy. 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 100%. It's been a great year for sure. Absolutely. It has been. <laughs> We appreciate all of you for watching, listening, tuning in, downloading the show wherever you do. Merry Christmas from all of us at the Tri-State Sports Program. We hope to talk to you again in 2023. For myself, John Thornton, for Jordan Taylor, Merry Christmas and good afternoon. And God bless from the Tri-State Sports Program presented by the Hawks Nest and Jerry Guardado Flex.